Welcome to the Reclaiming Your Identity podcast. I'm your host, Joanne Carrigar Kearns, owner of coaching company Inspired Life Solutions Limited. With over 18 years of knowledge and experience in both psychology and social work, this weekly podcast will show you how I learned my success from the success of others and how I figured out who I really am. I'll share real talk with you about the people I've worked with and also the people I've had to let go. You'll learn how to value unpleasant experiences as a place of reference rather than a place of residence and how to focus on what you can control rather than what you can't. You will never heal in the same place that made you sick and so it's time for you to figure out who you really are instead of who you think you're supposed to be. It's time for you to reclaim your identity. Hey guys, welcome back to the Reclaiming Your Identity podcast. Today we're on episode five, what you conceal versus what you reveal. So what do I mean by that? Well, today I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the differences between the two main parts of the brain, of the mind the unconscious mind and the conscious mind. So some of us will be familiar with these terms. We'll have heard these before. Often people refer to the unconscious mind, maybe when someone's collapsed or when someone's sleeping or when somebody's not aware of what's happening around them. Equally, we talk about the conscious mind, which is where you know what's happening and when you are making active decisions that you know you are aware of. But in terms of psychology and in terms of identity, let's have a look at the two areas and how they work and what they do. So we're going to start with the unconscious mind. Now the unconscious mind takes up 95 to 99.5% of the brain. Okay, so out of the brain, 95 to 99.5% of it is unconscious mind. So the way I like to look at it is like this. If you think about an iceberg in the sea, when you see the iceberg, what you see is the tip of the iceberg. You see the very top part that's just sticking out above the water. Yeah, we're aware of that. We see that. That's what is available to us. Okay. Now, underneath the water, there is a lot more iceberg, a lot bigger iceberg, and it goes to the bottom of the sea. It's very deep, very vast, very open. But we don't see that because we're above the water. We just see the tip. So if you liken this to the mind, the unconscious mind is the underwater part of the iceberg. The 95 to 99.5% worth of the ice, what we can't see because it's underwater. That's in our mind. So this part of our brain, of our mind... It controls our beliefs. So the things that we choose to believe, the way that we see things and do things. It controls our emotions and our feelings. So the way we react to something, our responses, our emotions. It controls our habits and our addictions. So the things that we do day in, day out, over and over again. The things we do for pleasure the things we avoid, that's all controlled by the unconscious mind. Our imagination, our way of perceiving things, how we see something, how we feel something, how we believe something to be, 
it controls our intuition. So our gut feeling, if you like. Last week in episode four, I spoke a lot about my intuition and my gut feelings. And it's very similar to that. That's controlled by the unconscious mind. It controls our long-term memory. So experiences we've had in the past that are not recent experiences. So things from our childhood, good things, bad things, things from when we was a few years younger. Anything like that is imprinted in that part of the brain. Our values and our morals, the way that we behave, the things we choose to do, the way we act, that is all controlled by the unconscious mind. The unconscious mind also houses any traumas we've ever had, the shame we've experienced, any shame that we've ever experienced, and we all have that, whether it's called for, whether it's not, we've all can, we can all say we've been ashamed. Our guilt, the guilt we're feeling for other people, the guilt we feel for ourselves, maybe it's something we're responsible for, maybe it's something that we're not responsible for, but that feeling of guilt, that's, that's intrinsic, that comes from the unconscious mind. Any secrets that we've got, they live in there, that's where they are. All these feelings, all these emotions, all these experiences, positive and or negative, that's where they all live. And the unconscious mind, it's incapable of reasoning. So it can't justify why it feels the way it feels. It can't stop you from saying or acting in a certain way. There's no control over what's going to happen because you can't control what's happening under the water. You can't control what's happening in the unconscious mind. It's all your previous experiences. That's where they live. And sometimes you have absolutely no control over what's going to happen, what's going to come out of there. There's no distinguish between past, present and future. So it's not linear, you know, it doesn't know, well, that was then and this is now, so it won't happen to me again. I had an experience, maybe as a child, I know when I was a child, I fell off my bike when I was learning to ride a bike as a young child. And I didn't want to get back on that bike because I was scared of it happening again. But my parents encouraged me to get back on the bike. And I did. And guess what? I didn't fall off the bike. So... I learned at that point that that was a one-off event. Sometimes you will fall off, but most of the time you won't. The unconscious mind, it can't distinguish that. It just knows that I fell off. So it's trying to make me be permanently scared of riding a bike, even now as an adult. So I have learned now how to override that experience. I've learned how to use a different part of my brain, which we will discuss shortly. I've learned how to use that other part of my brain to override the unconscious mind. So when we look at it like that, our previous memories, whether they're good memories, whether they're bad memories, they're going to resurface. They're going to be stirred up. They're going to be triggered by something that maybe someone says to us or someone does for us. Or maybe it's somebody we see that we haven't seen for a long time. Maybe it's someone from school, someone from a previous job, someone from your childhood. They are going to conjure up an experience that you wish they hadn't, that you'd rather forget, that you didn't know had even happened or existed until you got that feeling. And that is the unconscious mind being triggered. So sometimes people describe this as a flashback. You know, you can you can be somewhere and something happens and you'll have what you call a flashback. You'll believe that this has happened before. This is what it was like last time and I don't want that to happen again. Equally, it could be a good flashback. It could be a positive memory. 
if you can recall positive memories, that's amazing, that's brilliant. But for most of us, this stuff only happens when it's something negative. It happens at random, you know, it's unexpected and it can be really, really hard to deal with. So what happens then is you have people that turn to what they know makes them feel better to help them to feel better. So their coping strategies, the trusted coping strategies, what they know works. So, for example, this may be a person who has started a new job and the job has brought back memories of a previous experience in their life that they didn't like, that they pushed away, that they'd forgotten about. And it's sort of resurfaced now because they may have seen a familiar face or they may be doing something familiar that reminds them of the previous job they didn't like, the previous person they didn't like, whatever that may be. That person now is stuck with these memories that they wish they weren't there, doesn't know how to erase them. So what they will do is they will go to their trusted coping strategy to find pleasure. So that might be for some people that might be alcohol. For some people it might be gambling. For some people it might just be sitting in a quiet room on their own, away from anybody. We all have different ways of coping with things and not one of them is any better or any worse than another one. And I'm not here to say what should and shouldn't be happening. But what I am here to say is that people will do what they feel they need to do in survival mode. And this huge part of the brain, this 95 to 99.5% worth of brain, is in control of you. And you can't do anything about it. However, what you can do is you can train the other parts of your brain, the very small amount of your brain, which is the conscious mind, you can train that to deal with the bad feelings brought on by the other part of the brain. So when I talk about the conscious brain, this has got the willpower to control our feelings. It's got the willpower to control our habits and our behaviours. It loses out every single time to the huge influence of the unconscious mind. Because if you think we've got the tiny, tiny little part of the brain, so we're talking 0.5% up to a maximum of 5% of your brain. That's all it is. That's your conscious mind. That's a little bit of the iceberg we can see above the water sticking up that we're aware of. Okay, so it's our awareness. It's the way that we are, the way we act and believe, the way we feel. It controls our logic thinking, it controls our critical thinking, it controls our short-term memory, so recent events, pleasurable events, things that we want to remember from recent times, things that we don't want to remember from recent times. It controls our actions in the moment, our decision-making, it controls the way we present to ourselves at that specific time. But if you think that this tiny tiny part of the brain has got that sort of responsibility it is of course it's going to lose out every single time to the bigger part of the brain so what's important is that we learn how to train this small part of the brain this small tip of the iceberg to cope with the demands of that big piece of the iceberg that's underground okay what we need to learn to do is to respond in the right way to whatever is thrown at us by our unconscious mind. We need to know how to defend ourselves. 
when it throws something at us. We need to know how to control our behaviour, our action, our decisions in that moment when something untoward, something unpleasant is happening. We need to know what to do to keep ourselves safe. And the problem is that people don't have that skill. Nobody has that skill. It has to be learned. It has to be taught by somebody who already has that skill. So what I'm talking about, guys, is resilience. I'm talking about understanding and recognising when sup that you don't want to be there. And rather than ignoring it, we learn how to deal with it. How to take it, work with it and put it back again. Because resistance is key. If you resist something, it will just come back stronger. It will just come back stronger. So what we need to do is we need to train the small part of the brain to deal with the big part of the brain, the one that's in charge. So when you speak to people, you are speaking from the small part of your brain. You're speaking from the conscious mind. But what's really hidden beneath those words, beneath you, is what's inside the unconscious mind, the big part. So have you ever had a message from somebody, maybe a text message or a WhatsApp message or an email even, and you've read it and you've thought, why have they said that? That doesn't sound right. And then you question, what did they mean? And it could be a simple instruction message. It could be a simple statement. It could be a simple yes or no answer. But because it's come through as a message, there's no tone with it. There's no way of attaching an emotion to it. You don't know how to read it. Whereas if you'd spoken to somebody on the phone or in person, you know, you understand what they mean just through the language and the tone of their voice. So what we need to do, we need to focus on making sure the unconscious mind, whilst it is always going to override the small part, it's always going to be in charge, we need to make sure we train the small part of the brain, the conscious part of the brain, to cope with whatever happens. And this, like I say, this is a skill. This is not natural. We're not pre-programmed to deal with it. The majority of what we know and what we do and who we are is underneath. It's under the surface, yeah? It's controlled. So when I speak to you about understanding the importance of personal development and why working on your mind, understanding who you are and why you do the things you do, when I talk about that, this is why I say it. Because I want you all to be able to cope with whatever life throws at you. And we all know these past 14, 15 months haven't been a normal way of living for anybody. The restrictions that we've had to undergo, the sanctions that have imposed on us, the things we had to give up, the compromises we've had to make. None of that was expected. None of that should ever have happened in terms of, in a lifetime, we don't expect that to happen. If you were to look at it from high above, it's like a punishment. It's as though we're being punished for something that's out of our control. Rightfully so, or wrongfully. And it's, things will come up in life, and we need to know how best to handle them. 
We need to know what to do to make this situation the best it could possibly be for us. And people say to me all the time, you're always so calm, Joanne. You never seem to panic. You always know what to do. You've always got an answer. And that could be any situation. For somebody, that could be a really traumatic situation. And I will just go along and I will just diffuse the situation and I will just take away all the scarcity, all the panic, all the upset, and I'll just make it calm and serene as possible as it can be. And that isn't me doing that deliberately. That's just when I arrive somewhere, that's just my presence. That's what it does. And that's because my conscious mind knows how to handle distress, trauma, anything like that. It knows what it needs to do to protect me. And of course, if it protects me, I can then protect you. So I've trained my mind to deal with whatever comes its way. And it's this is how I diffuse anything. And it's without any effort. I don't need to think, well, what should I do here now to make this this person calm down? What can I do to make this better? It's just automatic. And I've got lots and lots of stories I could talk to you about at times where things should have been really traumatic and really, really severe. And they've just not been because I've been there and done something. So I have got a quick story. I will tell you a story from a few weeks ago. When I was out on my bike, I was out on a bike ride, a two-hour bike ride, which I do two or three times a week, and I live near a canal. And I use the canal route for one part of one one part of the journey. So usually the first half of the journey is the canal route, and then I come back a different way. But this particular day, I'd gone a different way, and it meant that I came home on the canal. So I was about almost almost near the end I was two hours into my bike ride and in front of me I saw somebody else on a bike and he was on a bike with somebody behind him who I now know was his wife and he went under a bridge the same bridge I go under every single time a nice big wide bridge there's no need to get off the bridge you can see underneath it on the other side so there's there's no reason that there'd be any danger And as he got through the bridge, underneath the bridge, on the other side, a dog came running at him out of what I now know was out of a bush, but we didn't didn't know where the dog had come from on its own. And the man at the front put his brakes on, came off the bike. He landed on the floor and the bike went into the water, into the canal. And the bike landed upside down. So the wheels were sticking up out of the water and it was upside down underwater. So I pedalled faster as I could to get to them and I stopped and the man, he was okay, he was sat on the floor, he was shaken up but he wasn't hurt, he was just, obviously he was traumatised, that's what he said to me, I'm traumatised, I'm embarrassed, I can't believe this has happened and his wife got off her bike and she went to sit with her husband so I said okay, well if you two are okay, I'll just get the bike out. So he said, well, who are you going to ask? I said, well, I'll just get it out because I can reach it from here. The wheels are sticking up. If I get into the water, I can pass it back to you because we're in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody about. We can't get anyone to come and lift it out with anything. It just makes sense for me to get the bike out. So this couple, as you can imagine, was in disbelief. It was like, you can't get in the water and get that out. And I said, well, I know this canal. 
I come past this every day. It's not deep. Let me get in the water. I pass you the bike. So that's what I did. I climbed down into the water, got the bike, passed it up to the banking, and then they took it off me. I got back out the water, put the bike against the tree so I could sort it out. And in my bag, I always carry with me. I always have everything I need. So I always carry a small hand towel. I always carry a set of spanners for my bike. So should I need to alter my seat when I'm out or my pedals come off or my brakes need looking at anything like that, I carry a set of spanners, like a set of hex keys. And I've never had to use them before, but I always have them. So on this day, I dried the man's bike off and I checked his handlebars, which were a little bit twisted. So I tightened them up with the hex key and I sorted his seat out that had twisted. I checked his brakes, all the usual stuff, which to me is just routine maintenance of a bike anyway. It's nothing over and above what I do for myself every time I set out on my own bike. But to this couple, it was a big deal. They couldn't believe it was happening. So I tested the bike. I got on the bike and I just took it, you know, a couple of hundred metres down the canal and came back again and it was fine. So, you know, the man got on his bike, said thank you, and his wife got on her bike and off they went. And that was that. Now, the next time I went out on my bike, I saw that couple again. And they were sat on a bench in the same place that it happened. So I stopped and the man said to me, I was hoping I'd see you again. I wanted to say thank you properly. And I said, oh, don't worry about it. It's so what you do, isn't it? And he said, but it's not what you do. That is not what people do. You would have stopped. You could have just stopped and said, are we okay? I'd have said yes. And that'd be it. Maybe try to find someone to come and help us get the bike out. But you just got in. You just got in the canal. Wouldn't take no for an answer. Got the bike out for me and fixed it for me at the side. At the side of the canal by the tree. And it was as though it never happened. And it was all over with within 10, 15 minutes. And I said, well, that's just what we do, isn't it? And he said, but it's not, is it? He said it again to me. You're somebody that could make anything all right, aren't you? Anything could happen and you'd be the person that would just come along and make it better, whatever it may be. And I said, yeah, you're exactly right. That is what I do. And from that day, that's now how I think about it is... It's just what you do for people. And that's because my conscious mind knows how to handle trauma. It knows how to handle distress. And whether that's my own trauma or somebody else's, because I'm so in tune with people, because my intuition is so strong, if it's upsetting someone else, it's upsetting me. And I can sense that. So I will go over and above in their eyes to make that right for them. So ultimately, I will go along and I will just take away the pain, the distress, the trauma as best I can without any effort. And that's because I know how to tell my conscious brain, the smallest part of my brain, how it needs to override the feelings that the big part of my brain, the unconscious, is trying to make me have. And that is why I can diffuse anything. You know, because in the face of it, I'm not frightened of it. But that doesn't just come externally. I have to train myself from the inside out. And that is why I do the work I do. That is why I have the coaches I have and I read the books that I've got. 
to continuously strengthen what I've got inside and make it the best it can be 100% of the time. So we can never change what's already happened in our past, but we can always change how we start to deal with it, can't we? The right training, the right people, the right skill set. And then when something does happen that should turn everything upside down, you can just come along and say, well, that isn't what's going to happen. We're going to do this instead. So I hope that makes sense. I hope you've got from today the difference between the unconscious and the conscious. Or perhaps you prefer to look at it as underwater versus the tip of the iceberg that we can see. That's it for this week, guys. And I'd like for you to think about what I've discussed today. How much of an impact does your unconscious mind have on your life? Your concealed thoughts, your hidden thoughts. And what what is that doing for your awareness? How much of what you are concealing is what you are revealing to others? Because the further away those two things are, the harder it's going to be for you to do the simplest of things. Because you're never going to be who you think you are if what you are saying and what you are doing are two different things. So thank you for listening to me today. I hope you've enjoyed the episode. I hope it's made some sense to you. And I hope you've taken value as well. So take care, guys, and I'll see you again next time. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for joining me here today on this week's episode of the Reclaiming Your Identity podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, I'd love for you to share with a friend. And also please subscribe, rate and review the show on your favourite podcasting platform. If you have any questions, feedback or you'd like to join me as a guest on my show, you can reach me directly at joanne.ckearns at inspiredlifesolutionslimited.com. Thank you for listening. Take care.